Uh, today's message, the title of it, uh, it's called uh, Vision Casting Part 3, Going Deeper. Now, before we can go any further, I need you to take a deep breath with me. So we're going to breathe in and out. All right, I don't think that worked. We need to do that again. Here we go. In and out. All right. Because I don't know about you, whenever you go deeper, something, something deep's going on, it gets a little bit harder to breathe. And I know I'm going to need to breathe a lot this morning, and I'm thinking you're going to need to breathe deep with me. Um, so this message was not easy to prepare for. I teared up several times just practicing it. Um, so I, got, I know God's got a lot to say. So I'm going to do my best to get out of his way um, and let him speak. Um, so, vision casting part three. Uh, let's do a quick recap uh, for how did we get here, what's going on so far. So Pastor John has been asking us some questions. The first thing he asked us, what are we doing here? Are we carrying out the mission God gave us as a church? And our mission is to connecting people with God, each other, our community in the world, something that you guys should start to become extremely familiar with. Um, but so that is our mission. That is what we're supposed to do. But then he asked the question, can, are we seeing that happen? How is your vision, not your physical sight, but like the things on scene sight? Uh, he, he's talked about, is your vision, you know, your vision of seeing the future in the present based on the past? Or how is your vision of a bridge from the present to the future? Or, you know, really a better future? A preferred future. So Jesus gave us a vision, but he also lived this out. And we found this, that Jesus demonstrated to his disciples, and really to us in this, in his ministry, of how to do kingdom work, how to go from a spectator to a participant, how to go from standing on the sidelines to getting in the game. And we found this in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, the first thing that we saw is, and number one was observe and understand the reality of what's going on. See, Jesus saw the crowds. And we got to be aware of the reality. We got to see people around us for the first thing that's got to happen. We got to be uh, real and see the battles raging around us. And the second thing, we need to allow God to burden us with a specific need. See, Jesus had compassion for people. It says that he saw people harassed helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And God is giving a burden to this church. There's a weight over this church right now for something that's heavy. It's slowing us down so we can see what's going on. And then the third thing was to pray to determine what actions can meet that need. You know, because you can't just go and try and fix it yourself. Are you going to be a superhero? Are you going to become the savior? going to be honest, I've tried to do that, and that was pretty foolish. It does not go very well. So why don't we ask the Savior and follow what his lead on this. The fourth step Jesus did was he chose and empowered a team. Jesus prayed for the workers for a harvest. 
And he sent out his disciples. You know, he called them, he gathered them, he built into them, he equipped them for what they needed. I don't know about if you guys like sports teams. I know yesterday we got to watch an amazing sports team dominate the field as the Packers won. That was fantastic. But right now in this church, you know, we're a team, we're a family, we're a unit, and we're going to do this together. The fifth thing, the final thing, was to take action. Because Jesus sent his disciples out. It was this is a movement, an action, something that's going on. Jocko Willink and his book, Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win, tells a really incredible story. It's kind of interesting. They would be out on a rescue mission, U.S. Navy SEALs and Iraqi soldiers, and they would need to breach a compound, you know, break down the front door, take out the bad guys, rescue the hostages. And so they would come up to the moment where they'd set the charges, they'd blow the door. Now, you got to understand, these were under strict orders, these guys, that the Iraqi soldiers had to go first. See, what was happening is the U.S. Navy SEALs were training and equipping the Iraqi soldiers to fight terrorists on their own. In order to do that, though, they have to do it, though. And so in order to report that the Iraqi soldiers are doing something that they're leading, they had to be the first ones through the door. But the problem is, once that door, you know, gets blown down, U.S. Navy soldier, you know, SEAL, highly trained, highly equipped, pretty fearless, right? These dudes are some pretty B.A. guys. Your Iraqi soldier, not so much, because most of these guys would just do this as a job. Their economy was in the tank, and this is a lot of the way, the only way they could provide for their family. So now, here you are, you come up to the door, you know, you blow it open, and they're just not moving. They're just sitting there shaking. So what do you do? So the U.S. Navy SEALs picked them up by their belt and threw them through the door and then followed them in and, you know, took out the bad guys, saved their hostages, mission accomplished. Now, so church, we got to pay attention to this because right now we've been observing and seeing the needs of Sheboygan and the people around us. We've been praying and discerning the action needed. And God's chosen a team. You know, we're a team, us, a fine-looking team, I might add. But the next step is action. And if we're not careful, because God is blowing open a door, and if we're not ready, we're about to get picked up by our belt and tossed through that door. That's what's coming next. That's the action. So I think we should you know, move on our feet and not get picked up on our belt. All right. Let's take a breath. All right, you got, you got to join me in. Out. All right, now was just a recap. Now this real sermon can start, okay? So this past year, we did a survey as a church led by Brenda rice Thank you so much, Brenda, for that. That was incredible. But one of the things that that survey revealed some characteristic about us as a church is that we have a deep desire to go deeper. That's why today's message is going deeper. What does it look like for a church to go deeper? So I want you guys to do this exercise with me. You're going to have to use your imagination. Maybe you need to close your eyes. Uh, However you need to do best, I want you to not be distracted. So 
put on your imagination you know, caps. We're going to go for a little ride. And so I want to ask you a question. I want to think about this. See yourself a few years from now. You're sitting in our new building Sunday morning, just like this one. Um, and, you know, the service is going on. And a thought comes through your head. Wow. This is a deep church. This isn't some fluffy, feel-good, cakewalk of a church. Man, this church, this does some, this is like a pretty deep church. This church carries some weight behind it. I love this church. This church deals some damage to the enemy. Man, this church uh, facilitates connections, and we're seeing transformation in individuals and transformation in our community. Ooh, man, this is my church. This church is where I find rest. I find Jesus here. This is my church. Man, I find mission and I find purpose in this church. Can you feel that? Can you see that church? And that's a deep church right there. And I believe this, and I believe, and I know our church leadership believes this, and I know a lot of you guys believe that this is where God is calling us. That's where he is directing us. This is a very unique church. We have very unique DNA, uh, which is pretty awesome. We have several different generations represented. We have different uh, cultures represented. We are not all birds of the same feather, which is awesome, but also provides a unique challenge. Because when we say, what does it mean to actually go deeper, we actually are, don't all have the exact same thing in mind. We might disagree on some things. And that's going to be a challenge. The biggest challenge in becoming a deeper church is just having unity and understanding what does it mean to go deeper. Uh, I don't have the answer. I know usually the person with the mic has the answer, but like I said in the very beginning, I'm the intern here. I'm just a learner. So uh, I'm going to be sharing with you what I am learning about going deeper. This is not going to be easy. Um, And so my prayer this morning is that God would just give us grace, uh, grace and patience for each other as we wrestle with this question. The question of what does it look to go deeper as a church? Um, So this morning we're going to be reading out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43 uh, verse 1 through 7. Now, if you have your Bible with you or your smartphone, uh, you can pull that up. So while you're turning there, uh, I want to actually put this into some contents. We've got to talk about that real quick. This is really important. The Israelites at this point are being ruled by kings. Some good kings, but mostly bad kings that are leading the people away from God to the point where they have rejected God and are being led into captivity. That's what's going on. Uh, these people are now trusting in false gods. They're trusting in mortal men. And a lot of them are trying to trust in themselves to lead them through this. Uh, there is mass culture wars about saying who's right and who's wrong. There is mass political wars over who should be ruling, who should be leading. Nations are raging uh, to be the top country, top dog in the world. Does that sound familiar? Because it takes me like five minutes on my phone to find 
an article on every single one of those issues right now in our world. A lot of what they are experiencing is what we are experiencing now. There's so much chaos and noise in our world, and we need to be united and just understanding what it means to go deeper as a church. So God had some encouragement he gave his people then, and I believe he's got some encouragement for us this morning. All right, so let's take a look at what God said through the prophet Isaiah. And God is speaking about being the Savior. So, Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created from my glory, whom I formed and made. Man, that was a lot. So what is the first thing God asks his people who are in great distress? He asks them a question about their identity. He asked, who formed you? Who created you? Who? You did, God. I'm your creation. And you kind of need to breathe after that. And he says, I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When is the last time you heard God say your name? Because God is speaking into your life. And God doesn't say these big, complex things that are frustrating to understand. Because he knows you. He knows your name. That's where he, he calls you by name. He starts with you. He formed you. He created you. He knows what you need. He knows what you need to hear. And then he speaks into the battles we face. He talked about rivers that rush over you and fires that consume you. And the thing about water and fire is water is something that tries to compress you, like, like shrink you, make you feel small, suffocate you. That's what water can do. Big waves press you down. It's an outside force in. And fire is the opposite. Fire is like a chemical reaction. It's trying to consume you. Burning is pulling you apart. That's fire. That's like a battle within is what fire is. So yes, God physically led people through the Israelites through water, like the Red Sea, and was with some guys, Meshach, Abednego. Who else was there? Yeah, he led people through fire, and they were not burned. So not only did he physically do that, 
But that represents the other aspects of our life that we battle with and what we deal with. So last week, we prayed over Nancy, and she's in a battle. Life or death kind of battle. She, I would say, has some serious waves in her life and some raging fires going on. But for those who listened to Nancy last week, let me ask you, is that someone being crushed by waves or burned by the fire? You will, they will not sweep over you. They will not burn you. Because God says, you are precious and honored in my sight. I love you. See, there's a God who sees all of you, and he calls you precious. For a lot of us in this room, we let shame drive our value. We let that voice in our head push our intentions and our actions and our motivation to do things, to try and earn whatever we feel like we need to earn, we need, that we need to prove we are worthy of something. And God says, you, you don't got to do that. You already are precious and honored in my sight. And someone needs to hear that this morning, that you don't need to earn it. You don't need to fight for that. And that voice of shame in your life is just a lie from the enemy. Then God ends with something super powerful. He says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. See, when you are afraid, you are full of what this word we call is fear. Dallas Willard has a, uh, a definition for us that I think needs to grab our attention. This is one of my favorite definitions of fear. He says, fear is the anticipation of evil. And right now in this room, there's a lot of anticipation. And the question I wrestle with, and the question we get to wrestle with, is are we going to anticipate evil to happen, or do we anticipate a God that's moving? I am with you, he says. You don't need to be afraid. You do not need to anticipate evil, because you've got to keep your eyes on me. So as much as the Israelites in distress needed to hear this, God spoke these, thing, spoke these things into my life. Uh, and 2020 is one of the deepest years of my life. I know we are so glad it's over and we don't want to talk about it. We want to leave it in the past. But I've got to share with you what I'm learning about going deep. So the year started off pretty rough. I lost my grandma B. Um, and it happened really fast. See, she was, even for her age, really healthy, full of life and full of joy. And then she was diagnosed with leukemia. And a, one month later, she was gone. And I was pretty angry at God. You know, why did you take her away so fast? You used her to change my grandpa's life. Now he's alone. You used her in such powerful ways, and you took her away so fast. Then there's a God who breaks into my life. And he says, Sam, who formed, who created Grandma B? Who called her by my name? Who did not let waves crush her or fires consume her? 
who sees her as precious and loves her. This evil did not win. You do not need to be afraid, for I am with her. I am with your grandpa, and I am with you. It's really interesting, because then, after the funeral and everything, then COVID hit. And maybe if my grandpa, um, my grandma lived a little bit longer and fought longer, we wouldn't have had a chance to say goodbye. So then the summer came, and it brought probably one of the toughest moments of my life. Um, It brought the birth of my beautiful daughter, Michaela. See, after the birth, my wife Amber did not stop bleeding, and her blood levels began to drop. See, with no visitors allowed because of COVID, I sat by myself in a room, and I watched the color of my wife's face fade. And as they gave her units of blood and took her for an emergency surgery to try and stop the bleeding, the thought crossed my mind, am I going to lose my wife? And then there's a God who takes me deeper. I said, Sam... Who formed, who created you? Who formed, who created your wife? I say, you did, Lord. Do I know your names? Are you mine? I have to say, yes, Lord. Have I told you, you will have troubles in this life, that you're going to have to walk through rivers, you're going to have to cross fires, but did I not say they will not crush you, they will not consume you? Yes, Lord. Do I love you? Do I see you as precious and honored? Do I see Amber as precious and honored? Yes, Lord. And then, are you afraid, Sam? Are you anticipating evil to happen in this moment? Or are you expecting me to move? And God moved. And the doctors couldn't find what was wrong. But the bleeding stopped. And she recovered. See, I'm learning that going deep had nothing to do with how much I studied the Bible, experienced amazing worship like this morning, or listened to the perfect sermon. And, you know, I'm, I'm the poster child of that. I'm the intern, right? I'm the learner. I'm in classes to study and see the Bible. I love these worship experiences, and I love finding great sermons throughout the week to listen to. This is what I do, but those are just tools. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't replace going deep with what those are, because going deep is listening and growing your relationship with God. Going deep is listening to God speak into your circumstances. Going deep is listening and then obeying what God is telling you to do. Going deep is praying that God would break your heart for people and then not trying to hide and protect your heart, but let God break it. Going deep is praying for boldness in the face of our social and our culture disruption going on in our day and age. Going deep is praying that you would walk through waves and fire, 
and that you would not anticipate evil, but you would anticipate a God who is going to move. Sorry, I need to take a breath real quick. So then when I ask the question, what does it go deeper as a church? I don't know what it looks like when we leave this building. I don't know the details. I can't tell you. But I do know this, that it starts with you. This message was really hard for me to share. This broke me several times, and I had to surrender this to God so I could go deeper with him. And just like God invited me to go deeper in my walk and my faith with him, he is inviting you into your life and your circumstances. That's why it's so important for each and every single one of us to understand if we're going to be going deep together as a church. See, there's a song I was taught as a kid about who the church was. It was it, the lyrics went like, the church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. You know, you're supposed to go, I am the church. You are the church, and we are the church together. A deep church does not start with the pastor. The deep church does not start with the sermons or the message. A deep church starts with you and the level you are walking with God. So then when I do the exercise, all right, sit and imagine a couple years from now you're sitting in a church and the thought crosses your mind. Hey, you're in the, this is a deep church. What caused that? Let me tell you what I see. I see myself sitting down and listening to the testimony of a man who was caught in addiction, but his life is being transformed by God. And what is his connection to this church? Why is he sharing? Well, because he was a part of Stepping Stone, which is our faith-based recovery-focused, sober-living, transitional home that we help oversee and run here at Southside. And then to the left of me, there's this family. They have issues. They need and need a hand up in the world. They are full of generations of making bad mistakes Lots of broken marriages, lots of addictions. But they can come and they can sit in this church and feel like they belong. And only in a deep church do people like that feel like they can come here and be welcomed and feel like they belong and not judged by all the junk they have in their life. Oh, and then sitting right in front of me, there's this couple. They've been dating for a couple of years now, and they're living together, not married. But they met one of you guys this year. I'm not sure which one, but they met one of you. And because of your friendship, your influence, they wanted to know more about this Jesus guy. And because this is a deep church, they came with you, and they starting to become curious. I want to know him more. 
and they can sit and feel like they belong here because this is a deep church and that we're not trying to make them go somewhere and we're not trying to hold them, hold them to an expectation that they don't realize themselves of where God is calling them to go. God's still teaching them, still working in their life. Only a deep church does that happen. Oh, over here to my right, there's one of you guys. We probably do some kind of fist bump and a smile before the service starts. Uh, but that fist bump probably carried some weight with it. That wasn't just a light tap. See, probably earlier that week, I had some waves crashing over me or some fires burning inside. And I was probably breaking down and crying. But one of you were there for me. And as a staff member, I didn't have to worry about losing my job and having my life all together and having that pressure on. Because this is a real, this is a deep church. Only in deep churches does something like that happen. Somebody came in a little bit late. Young lady, she's sitting back there in the back row. And when she walked into this church, she felt like she was carrying the weight of the world as she carried a little person inside her. This wasn't her plan. She now faces the rage of a boyfriend, the disappointment of parents, and the shame of her social life. What is the church doing that she walked in here? What does it do? What is it doing that maybe the neighbor lady down the street who's her aunt's like, you got to go to this church? There's hope there. There's healing. There's something going on there that I think might help you. What is the church doing so that she feels like she can come here and find that? See, that doesn't happen, though. This family doesn't show up. That couple doesn't show up. You and I are not going to fist bump if we first don't start to listen and ask God, where are you moving me? Where are you working in my life? Because when he does that, it allows me to come up and we can do life together. Now we can fist bump and we can be there for each other through our storms, through our waves, through our fires. And when we are able to do this together, that allows us to meet the people we do everyday life with. And we find this couple down here, and I, I'm like, it's not going to rock my boat, what, you know, what their expectation is for themselves or where they're starting. It's just my job to love them and do what Jesus is calling me to do. And, and, and they can come to a space like this to find him and engage with him. And when we start doing stuff like that, we're going to feel compelled to partner with organizations like Love, Inc. We're going to do like faith in action kind of days, that kind of work. And so families like this can show up. And when you do that consistently, again, and again, and again, that leads to situations where this young lady can walk through this door because she knows she's going to find hope in healing. Only in a deep church does something like that happen. So this week, I want to challenge you guys. Do this exercise again with somebody. Don't do it alone. Do it with one other person. Sit down. Maybe you need to close your eyes and you're like, 
in a church and the thought crosses your mind, man, this is a deep church. But this time, I want to ask you, what is God revealing to you? Where is he speaking? Where is he moving you to do? Do you see God moving there as he's breaking into your life? Pray with me. God, you created us. You formed us. You call us by name. You won't let the ways of our life crush us. You won't let the fires inside consume us. You see us as precious. You see us as honored. We won't be afraid, Lord, for we know you are with us. You are with us as we leave this building. You are with us as we have all these changes take place in this church. And you are with us as you call us to be a deeper church. Teach us to see what's happening, what's going, what's going on, Lord. And I thank you so much for the burden you placed on us, the specific needs and responsibilities you are calling this church to. And I pray that we would respond in mighty and powerful ways, Lord.